Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal, Part 12 of N, The Environment. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials written by Bart Bouchotts over at bartb.ie slash ttt. This originally aired as part of NoSilicast episode 449, hosted at podfeet.com. I'm Allison Sheridan, host of the NoSilicast podcast, and the other voice you're about to hear is Bart Bouchotts of bartb.ie. Taming the terminal time again. Yay! So last week we took a, a quick detour to learn how to edit text files. And this week we get to play with text files to do things. So I had said we were going to talk about the environment. And by which I don't mean sort of the modern, very tightly defined meaning of the word, which is polar bears and melting ice and stuff. I mean the environment as it applies to computers and things. And so the definition that kind of comes into play from the OS X dictionary defines environment as the surroundings or conditions in which a person, animal, or plant lives or operates. So in this case, the surroundings or conditions in which a process operates or processes. Okay. So just like in the real world, your environment is the things around you. So the air you breathe, the electricity in your house, the water services, all that kind of stuff counts as your environment, everything around you. In the, in the life of a computer process, it also exists within a digital environment. And we've actually already come across aspects of this environment, but we just haven't used the word environment. So we have said that a process runs as a user. That's part of the process's environment, the fact that it runs as a user. We have said that a shell has a present working directory. That's part of its environment. That's part of its surroundings. It's part of the well environment in which it exists. So there, we've already actually looked at these two aspects of the environment. We've just never grouped them into the concept of an environment. And of course, there's more to an environment than those two concepts. So would the users within a group, for example, that would be part of the environment as well? It wouldn't be, it would be part of the user's environment, but not the processes. Oh, okay. Processes have a username. Right, 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 right. Okay. So, right, every single process, even if it's not a command shell, has a basic environment. And command shells get a basic environment plus plus. Because what makes the shell human friendly is the fact that it's, you know, it lets you do cool things. And so a big part of how it does that is through its environment. So, Every single process on your system, no matter how, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's a finder window, whether, it doesn't matter. Every process has an environment. And at the very, very least, it's running as a given user. It actually has a present working directory. Every app has a present working directory. And every process has access to something called environment variables. And these things are actually very important under the hood. I've and environment these, variables. I never knew what they were. Yeah. Well, they're effectively name-value pairs. So in other words, an environment variable has a name, and it has a value. And you access it by its name, and then the operating system gives you back its value. So that is a variable in the most basic sense. And every single process has access to environment variables. And the way they, the way they work is that whenever one process spawns or starts another process, so you can imagine we call that a parent process starting a child process, or you'll often hear people say a parent process forking a child's process or spawning a child's process. It's just, just jargon, doesn't matter. The point is when one process creates another process, the child process gets a copy of the parent's environment. It doesn't get a link to it, it gets a copy of it. Which means that if it then goes and makes changes, it has no effect on the parent. But what existed in the parent's environment does affect the child initially because that's what it was given as its copy for starting life with. Does that make sense? It 
does. I don't completely understand these environment variables yet, but uh, I'm I'm getting there. We'll be playing with them in more detail in a minute. But the important thing is how this inheritance works. So when you, in the terminal, type a command to start a new process, that command is given a copy of your environment. It can't muck up your environment because it has a copy. So but it I, I get the same starting I, point as you. I get Lindsay a new apartment and I put everything in it decorated exactly like my house, but then she can change everything. Right. And your house's furniture doesn't move when she moves hers. <laughs> okay. I'm getting it. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it, you clone the environment, but then they're two entirely separate things and they carry on an, an entirely different path. So that's, that's the important thing, and that we'll come back to that later. So let's have a better look at these environment variable doohickeys. And the easiest way to do that is just to have a, literally have a look at them. So the command to print the environment is env. So if you go to a terminal window and type env, you will get a whole bunch of output. Let's do it here. So env, and it will print out a bunch of lines. One line per environment variable. The name of the variable is the thing before the equals. The value of the variable is the thing after the equals. Hmm. So you might see term underscore program equals apple underscore terminal. Shell equals slash bin slash bash. Term equals x term 256 color. Temperature, apple sub pub socket renderer. You care about these things. Uh Whole batter of name value pairs. Okay. Um. Some of them are interesting, um, and the thing to note actually is that some of these environment variables are purely informational, whereas other ones actually affect how things work. So hang on, you said so, every process has an environment. Mm-hmm. Who, what process's environment am I looking at when I type env? You are looking at the, the environment of the bash process that is your command shell. Oh, okay, okay. That's kind of meta, but okay, gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. Well, th- that little blinky thing is a process, sure, and it sure. has an environment. Okay. And in fact, because it's a bash shell, it has the basic environment plus plus, as we'll get to see in the next few installments. But today we're just looking really at the basic stuff. In particular, we're looking at environment variables. So there they are. Um, as I say, some of them are informational. So you'll see there it says home equals, and then the path to your home directory. Log name equals, and then the username you're logged in as. Also says user equals, the username you're logged in as. Subtly different things. Um, let me see, PWD is the present working directory. So these are little shortcuts to get out information about your environment as a whole. The thing is, if you change the value of home, it won't actually change your home directory. Or if you change the value of present working directory in the environment, it won't actually change your present working directory. Those are just informational variables that are there so that you can access these things easily from scripts and stuff. They're not actually controlling anything. But other shell variables are used by apps and by processes to do things. And one we're going to look at in great detail next time, because we just don't have time today, is path. Oh, you see there's one there that says path. I, I hate path. I don't know. No matter how many times somebody has tried to explain path to me, I never understand it. So I'm looking forward to that. Good. Yeah, the reason I, I, I was in two minds whether to do path today or not, and I decided that path is so important it needs to stand alone. Okay, well, so that's the, my, my excitement about Path would lead you to believe this would be a two-and-a-half-hour uh, chit-chat if I let you do it, if you did it this week. If you let me do it today, it will be a very, 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 very long show. Okay. So um, now, the thing to bear in mind is if you muck with Path, it has an effect. Okay. In fact, if you muck with Path badly, you'll have yourself a broken little terminal. Hmm. But don't worry. Thankfully, you can do Command N and you'll have a fixed little terminal. Um, <laughs> That's a great tease, Path though. Path has consequences. Yeah. Okay. Path has consequences, and it's useful which is also important. So anyway, 
some variables are just informational, some do things. And so those exist, and they were you inherited those from the operating system when you clicked the when you do command N, you inherit whatever was sitting in the system before. So you get your environment handed to you. But of course, you can add more because this isn't you know you, I've said you can tinker with the environment afterwards, and indeed you can. Now, up until this point in our Taming the Terminal series, we have been pretty agnostic about whether you're running Bash or K Shell or Z Shell or whatever. That changes today. We are now in bash mode. And bash is the default shell on OS X. It's the default shell on most versions of Linux. So it's a very sensible one for us to focus on. But from now on, at least while we're talking about the environment, the fact that we're using bash matters. So these are bash instructions. Okay. I won't ever have so, to know anything other than bash, though, right? For the slow kids unlikely. here? Okay. Unlikely. What you, it's conceivable that you end up in an OS whose default shell is not bash, and then you type bash enter, and then you're in a bash shell, and then you're fine. Okay. Easy to remedy. Okay. Um, so we have seen that we have this concept of environment variables, which have a name and a value. Well, within a bash shell, we have something called shell variables, which are exactly the same, effectively. They have a name and a value. But the way, the way it works is that when you create a new bash shell, so when you hit command N or when you double click on the terminal icon, what bash does is it takes a copy of the environment variables and turns them into shell variables. And it creates a few extra shell variables of its own. So the, so the command to see the environment was env. The command to see all of the bash variables that exist is set, set. So if you run set. I didn't follow that at all. Okay, so every single, yeah, okay, so every single process on your Mac or on your Linux machine or on your Windows machine, they all have an environment. Right. right? And when you create a new process, you get a new environment, which is a copy of your parents. Now, Bash takes the environment that it's handed and expands upon it in a Bash-specific way. So you get, Bash gives you an environment plus plus, which is perfectly entitled to do. Every app can do that. So when we typed env, we were looking at the environment which is a small set of variables that they fit it on one terminal window. Okay. Right. Bash has the concept of its own variables. So they're just called shell variables or local variables. And to get you started, it takes every environment variable and makes a perfect copy of it as a shell variable. So initially the term paths, PWD, they all exist. They're all pre-created as local variables from their value in the environment. So actually, the fact that they happen to be local variables isn't noticeable to a user. A user doesn't tend to notice this, but it does have, it does have an impact later. Okay. So the thing to note, so when we are messing with variables in Bash using the commands I'm going to talk about today, what we're doing is we're creating and editing shell variables. We can convert those shell variables to environment variables and those shell variables started life as environment variables, but while we're tinkering with them, they're shell variables. And okay. I know I'm asking you to take a leap here, but it's, I just, it's a leap that has consequences. Okay. I, I, know I, just, I don't understand what a, why I care that it's a shell variable. Because it has consequences. Okay. And we, I promise you, though, I'm not making this distinction for the crack. I, initially, I wrote these show notes without this distinction, and then I had to go back and rewrite them all with this distinction, because otherwise I'd be lying to you, and I don't like okay. lying to you. Okay. So, if you want to see all of the shell variables that exist, you type the command set. And 
again, they look the same, right? You have a variable name equals a variable value. And if you scroll through the list, you will find all of the variables in your environment also exist in your shell. But there's more of them in the shell than there are in the environment. Okay. So Bash has taken the environment and then it's added a whole bunch of stuff of its own. Gotcha. And in fact, some of the stuff that's added on its own is kind of cool and we're going to be playing with it. Because you know the way we said weeks and weeks and weeks ago that depending on which version of Linux or Unix you were running, your command prompt looked a little bit different. Right? But we're all running Bash, so why do they look a bit different? Well, the answer is because the command prompt, its format is stored as a variable. And if you edit the variable, your, your prompt changes. And so OS X just has a different default value for this variable. Oh. And in a future installment, we're going to look at how you change this variable. And so once you change your variable, your prompt changes. And so if you say, I really prefer the way Ubuntu does it, well, you can make your Mac look like Ubuntu. <laughs> change this variable. Hey, presto, Bash will change its behavior. So anyway, we have all these variables. We can see them. There they are. Okay. So how do we use them? I mean, okay, great, they exist. Do I care? Well, you can actually insert their value into anything you type on the command line using what we call the, the dollar operator. So if you say dollar variable name, what actually gets put into the command is the value of that variable, not the character dollar and then the name of the variable. Okay. So let's make let's make this a bit more concrete. Let's say you wanted to change to the desktop folder in your home folder. We have seen that there's a variable called home in all capitals that has a that has as its content where your home directory is. Oh, so we yeah, could yeah. type cd space dollar home in all capitals forward slash desktop and hit enter. And dollar home gets changed to its value and then it gets passed into the cd command so we end up in our home directory's desktop. I'm doing it now. <gasps> nope. What am I, I keep typing no. it wrong? Uh, home has to be capitalized. I did say in all caps. I know, and you also said dollar and I typed an at symbol. What's your point? <laughs> 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 oh, come on. I have typed it. This is my fourth time. Yes. Okay. That does okay. make it more concrete. So we've got a variable called home. We call it by putting the dollar symbol in front of it. And dollar home means slash user slash, slash Allison. Exactly. So dollar home gets substituted with the value of the variable. Cool. That's how you think. And the reason it's a dollar symbol is S for substitute is also how you, want to, how you can think of it. Hmm. Okay. So if you're on a Mac and you don't have two hard drives with your home directory put off somewhere funny, you can also get to your desktop by typing CD space forward slash users with a capital U forward slash dollar log name forward slash desktop because dollar log name will be replaced with your username. So that also works. So again, we're just seeing another example of a variable in use. Oh, oh, here's something cool. So uh, one of the things we learned early on was that if you've typed a unique set of characters to describe a, a file or folder and you hit tab, it'll okay. fill the rest of it in. I wrote mm -hmm. CD slash user slash dollar log name slash D capital D E and I hit the tab and log name user slash log name turned into user slash Allison. Yes, tab complete tab. will complete. Tab complete will complete whatever it can complete, and it will happily complete dollar names. Cool. I'm having fun we haven't really now. talked about tab complete other than yeah, other than sort of mentioning it, but we will come back to that later. Okay. But yes, it does that. 
So you may also remember way back in our second ever installment, which is going back quite a way. Oh, I've just seen a typo in my show notes. Anyway, um, we talked about this concept of quoting strings and how I promised you that there would come a day when I would explain to you why a single quote is different to a double quote. I remember well, that. today's the day. <laughs> Today is that day. I've just been lying awake at night, every, every night since then, Bart, for 12 oh, sessions. Well, <laughs> you may finally sleep after, t- after 10 more sessions. So it, we have seen, if there's a space in a name, we have to do stuff with it. So an example here is every Mac has a library slash application space support folder in your home directory. So we could get to it by typing cd space dollar home forward slash library with a capital L forward slash application backslash space support with a capital S. I hate that. We could do that, right? Mm-hmm. Or we could use double quotation marks to wrap that string and then we don't have to escape each individual space. So you'll see in the show notes the two versions of the command and you can copy and paste both of those into your terminal and they both work. Right. N- now, below that is the same command with a single quote instead of a double quote. Copy and paste and run it and see what happens. Okay. Got to figure out how to select. There we go. Over here, paste. No such file or directory. Right. And what's it telling you that doesn't exist? Uh, application support. It says dollar home dollar library home. application. Right. So it didn't... F- when you use... Yeah. When you use double quotes, dollar home gets expanded. When you use single quotes, you mean the string dollar followed by the string H followed oh. by the string O. You've been really right. precise about defining it. You don't mean a variable. Exactly. I am saying I mean the dollar sign. I don't mean the dollar operator. Mm. And you can achieve the same effect. If you have, I mean, you could have a file name with a dollar in it, but you really don't want it to go and try to substitute that dollar. So if you use a backspace or sorry, a backslash in front of a dollar sign, you can escape the dollar sign to make it just a dollar sign and not the special magical character to invoke a variable. Because you may want to do that. Okay. So you've shown us two so ways to wreck it in what we're trying to do. But it's but not you might wrecking, be able to do it on purpose. Right. right. Well, you've inhibited right. the dollar it. operator. Got you. Exactly. So we have the choice now. Do we mean dollar as in expand a variable or do we mean dollar as in the symbol dollar? Hmm. And we may mean one or the other and we need to be clear on it. So that's that's why we're just revisiting quoting from all those times back, because now it's just become important. Okay. So we have already seen that we can use the env command to print every single variable, or the set command to print every single shell variable. Great. What if we just want to see the value of 1? Well, we could type it and hit tab to complete it out, I guess. Or what? Of 1 what? Of a single variable. I want to see the value contained within a single variable. And the command to do that is a command which initially seems utterly useless. The command is echo, and what echo does is print out whatever you give it as an argument. So you can see the example there in the show notes, echo in single quotes, hello, space, world, misspelt. I'll fix that before we go live. <laughs> and hit enter, and it will print out on the next line, hello, world. Wow, how exciting. Okay. The thing is, you can use your dollar sign with echo, and then it will print out the content of a variable. So echo dollar log name will print out your username. Yes, it does. And you can now get even more creative. So you can say echo in, now this is important, we use double quotation marks here. So if you type echo space, open double quotation mark, I am logged in as the user, dollar log name, with the home directory, dollar home, close quotation marks, hit enter, 
And what will be printed out is I am logged in as, in your case, Allison with the home directory, whatever your home directory is. Huh. Okay. So those variables are just getting substituted and the echo command is just printing it out for us. Very nice. Got it. It works. Okay. So now we can read them. How's can we wreck them? Start editing them. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we've got to change them <laughs> before we can wreck them. Okay. So, okay. So let's, right. So the dollar operator will show us what's in a variable. The equals operator will allow us to give a variable a value. And so it's simply variable name equals value. And the important thing is no spaces. So variable name equals without a space in front of it, value without a space. Okay. And if you want to have a space in your value, you got to use quotes. Okay. So the example we're going to use, rather than messing around with a variable that pre-exists, we're going to create our own. And the way you create a variable is you just give it a value and then it magics into being. So you don't have to create it and then assign it a value. You just assign it a value, and if it doesn't exist already, it'll be created. And if it does exist, its value will be changed. Okay. So before we start, we're going to the variable we're going to call it very imaginative my first var. So all caps my underscore first underscore var. So before we do anything, just echo dollar my underscore first underscore var, and you will see that has no value. Okay, got it. So you just want so to make sure we line, didn't pick something and accidentally it was doing something. Well, yeah, and also just to, to demonstrate that we are changing things. So we'll do a before change and then an after. So now on, now on a new line, we do my underscore first underscore var equals inside single quotation marks. Hello world, because I just do that. Hit enter. Nothing appears to happen. It's just, oh. right, there's no error message. There's no nothing. It's just it's, you've done that. It just doesn't tell you anything. Now, if you type echo dollar my first var, hello world will be printed because that's the value we gave it. Mm, ah, only if you do it right. Yes, wait, that goes for a lot of stuff. Wait, no. What do you mean, wait, no? I did, okay, so I typed in uh, all capital letters, my underscore first underscore var e- uh, equals, without a space on either side, single mm-hmm. quote, hello world, close quote. And then I did echo dollar my first var, and it came back blank. Mm, typo in one of those? Absolutely, I would imagine. Uh, okay, well, if you try copy paste, because I did actually test all these instructions. Hmm. I do not see the difference. I don't. I can't say that's always true, but this week it is true. <laughs> okay, let me try it again. That looks exactly the same. Now, technically, I said howdy world, but it should work either way, right? Oh yeah, it's just a value, right? Yeah, that did work. Okay, operator trouble. I can't see it yet, but oh, I said my first that. Instead of ah, uh, okay, well, <laughs> okay. Well, that right, means good. that if you do a set, you, you'll, or if you do an echo on my first the, you'll see your first attempt. <laughs> You've created two variables. <laughs> okay, look, yes, and it mine says howdy world. Okay, okay. Operator Yours trouble established. Here. Good. And just like we could do with the echo command, we can use other variables to form part of our new variable. So I, I do recommend copying and pasting the next one. So we can say my first var equals, again, no spaces, using double quotes this time to make sure our dollar signs get expanded. Hi, comma, my name is dollar log name and my home directory is dollar home, close quotation. Oh, oh, and now, you're embedding them. Yeah. And now when we echo it out, You'll see that it's replaced those dollar values. Wow, that's kind of cool. My name is Bart, and my home directory is yeah. Okay, great. So we've created this variable, 
and it is a shell variable. And so when you type the command env, you can see to yourself that that variable is not there, does not exist. Mm. But I bet if I type but set, it, it'll be there. Exactly. So you can do that if you like. But let's say we'd like to promote this variable to be a full environment variable so that when we start a new process, it will see this variable too if it wants to. Okay. And the command to do that is export. So we say export space my underscore first underscore var, and then that command is promoted, or sorry, that variable is promoted into the environment. And now when you type env, it will be there. And it is. Now, that's a one-off push. So we have pushed that value into the environment. But if we now change the value of our variable, it will not change the value in the environment. And so to prove this, I have three commands in the show notes. So Wait, wait say that one first more time. We, if, we, if we change the who to the what? Okay, so we have taken this shell variable and we have pushed its current value into an environment variable with the same name. Right. But there's no link between those two. Ah. So if okay. I now change the value in the shell variable, the value in the environment does not update. And to prove this, we have a few lines of code here. So... We set it to a new value, which in my case I've said my first var equals new space value inside single quotation marks. We type env again, and you'll see that in the env, my first var still says howdy world or hello world, whichever we set. Mine changed to say new value in env, and it shouldn't have, right? It shouldn't have, because that should happen after you type export my var, and then it should update it. It did. What did I do? Oh, and I didn't put any oh. spaces in between to check it. Huh. Okay. That's, well, I, 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 I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. Huh. Okay. I don't understand why. Not to do I. That should only be under set. It should be correct, right? Right. Hmm. Until you export again, and then you should be pushing the new value. What are the chances it was operator trouble, Bart? <laughs> Interesting. I'll think about that. I'm sure it's B. Anyway, following our trend from last week, you may ne- our last installment, you may now, if you like, optionally stop listening. But for those interested, we can take things a little bit further. And again, this is just purely optional. So what we're going to do for those who want to, and only for those who want to, is to, you know the way I said the way this inheritance thing works, where you get a copy of and then they become two independent things? I thought we could prove that to the people who want to see proof. Okay. And the way we're going to prove that is with my first shell script. It's a really, really simple shell script, but it's still okay. your first shell script. Okay. So a shell script isn't anything magical, right? It's a text file with a list of commands. So exactly the same commands you would type in the terminal, you put them in a file. When you run that file, those commands happen. Okay. But those commands happen as a child process or a subshell, if you're going to get very fancy in your technology. Okay. So you have a shell which has its environment, and when you run a shell script, a copy of that environment is made, and the shell script is using the copy, not your environment. So we're going to start using what we learned last week and we're going to make a shell script and i would well you can use any file name you like just as long as you're consistent so i've decided that we should stick it in tilde slash documents ttt12 script 1.sh okay tame the terminal 12 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're very imaginative, I know. Um, so again, nan- the, the show notes say nano. If you'd like, you can use VI, but really it doesn't matter. A text editor, create that file, and in that file, stick in two lines, which are hash exclamation point slash bin slash bash, and then echo open echo open single quotation mark tt underscore var equals dollar tt underscore var close quotation mark. So that's effectively a one-line script, even though it has two lines in it. And I'll explain the first of those two lines in just a moment. Okay, so what we're saying is echo out our new var equals the value of our new var. We haven't declared that variable yet, though. Well, we're we're just doing that. We're declaring it there, right? Oh, right, right, right. But yeah, but okay, so it's gonna, well, no, it's going to print out. It's yeah, we're going to echo it out, and it's going to have no value because you're right. We haven't declared it yet, but oh, okay. that's by design. Okay. okay, good. So the top line of that file is something called a shebang line. Now, I'm not quite sure why they decided to christen it that, but I think it's because it, in cartoons that sort of looks like a bang. Well, exclamation point is often called bang. I don't know why they call it, it America, shebang. Yeah. I'm imagining the, the, the pound sign in front of it makes it a shebang somehow. <laughs> okay. But anyway. I like it. Point of a sh- the point of a shebang line is that it tells Bash or whatever shell you're using what interpreter or what shell to use to run the commands that follow. So in this case, we're creating a, a shell script that uses Bash. So we say hash exclamation point slash bin slash Bash. And that means that the, everything else in that file is going to be run as a Bash thing. Okay. But if you wanted to create a Perl script, your shebang line would be hash exclamation point slash user slash bin slash Perl. If you wanted a Ruby script, it would be whatever the path to Ruby is. If you wanted a PHP script, it would be whatever the path to PHP is. So that first line simply tells the operating system what interpreter to use to actually run these commands one after the other, after the other, after the other. So bash happens to live in slash bin, but Perl lives in slash user slash bin. Correct. Okay. All right. And that, why that is, well... How you how you would know that we'll talk about next week because that okay. our friend the path comes into play here for that, but for now they're just magic values and that's good enough. <laughs> so we've created our file. It has effectively one line in it, even though it technically has two lines. We should exit and, and save. We need to make it. You should exit and save. Okay. And then we need to make it executable because we're going to execute this file. So if you remember back to a previous installment, it was chmod seven five five and then the path to the file. Enter. You've now created our first shell script. So why why did it would not have been executable? Because well, when you nothing is executable by default. So when you created it, it wasn't executable. Ah, okay. You could have done an NLS to prove that to yourself, but it would nothing. You don't create stuff executable because that'd be a dangerous default. <laughs> yeah. You only you only get to execute things you've explicitly said. Do you know? I think I should run that. That sounds like a good idea. It's a sensible, yeah, sensible default. Okay. Okay, so if we run the script, so we simply, once we have that done, we can run the script simply by giving its path and hitting enter. So tilde slash document slash ttt12 script.sh, enter. It will print out blankness because we haven't actually given the variable a value. So it'll say ttvar equals blank. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So now let's give it a value. And I'm afraid to say, if you look at the show notes, I use hello world again. You can use whatever (laughs) value you like. Howdy world, doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. So give it a value, tt var equals, hit enter. Run the shell script again. And you'll see that it still doesn't have a value. Let's see, hang on. I'm, I'm being stupid because I'm trying to be cute. 
Um, <laughs> it's not. I thought it would take my text expander snippet, so I was going to have it say a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight. Anyway, okay. So now if I run my script again, it still doesn't have anything. Yeah, which you which and the reason is because we never made that an environment variable. So when we run that script, a new process comes into being which inherits its entire environment from its parent. But its parent has no tt underscore var, therefore the child has no tt underscore var. So we have an export now. Correct. So if we now say export space tt underscore var, hit enter, and then run our script again, now it will see the value. Ah. That worked? Uh, one second. No. What did I do wrong? No. I, I exported it and then I ran it again. It still says, so I did export space TTT var. Mm-hmm. And, and then I said, till these last documents. Wait. Wait, was that all supposed to be on one line? Export TTT var nope. space. No, those were two lines. No, no, it's, it's two commands. Yeah, so export, so export it, TTT var, it and then the next line is supposed to be tilde slash document slash the name of the script dot sh. Now, you sure you set the variable correctly? What happens if you type echo dollar tt underscore var? TTT underscore var. Dollar TTT underscore var. There's nothing there. No, so then you made a mistake setting the variable. I did! Jeez, such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to get good help. And I'm really trying to pay attention here, guys. So uh, what was I supposed to... Oh, okay, there we go. Equals quote. I was so busy being... Uh, you were trying to get your text expander to work. <laughs> that I didn't type anything right. Okay, so... Okay, now it's in there. And now if I export it... Export it. And then I do the tilde thing. It worked! Excellent. So we have now proved that you inherited that value from me, but what we haven't shown for definite yet is that when you when the script edits its copy, it has no effect on the parent. So now let's edit, copy our existing script and make a slightly more complicated script that will mess with the value of its copy of the variable. Oh dear. And then we can prove to ourselves that its value is independent. Okay, it's so scary. we'll use the copy. Yeah, it's fine. We'll use the copy command that we learned about many, many weeks ago. So copy-paste that is probably best to make script two. Uh, because we've used copy, by the way, the second script is also executable because it's a copy. And then we use nano or vi or whatever we like to edit script two and just copy and paste in the now one, two, the four, four or five, depending on how you count it, line script. So we're going to say echo initially tt underscore var equals dollar tt underscore var or echo altering tt underscore var in script. Then we actually alter it tt underscore var equals new value. And then we echo it again. That makes sense. Uh, no. Um, so we're just going to have it say stuff to us is what you're saying. Well, no. So the, 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 there's, there's three echo lines, but one of those lines isn't an echo line. One of those lines does something and actually changes the value of the variable. It says TT underscore var equals new value. Okay. Okay. So the first thing the script does is it prints out what we have. Then it tells us that we're going to mess with it. Then it okay. actually messes with it. Okay. And then it tells us the outcome, the out or the result of the messing with it. Okay. So what you would expect to see is that the first time it runs, it says initially, hello world, altering value. And then it should say now, new value. So you can run that. Wait, wait. What do I do first? First echo TTT var. 
Okay. Yeah, so echo it just to show what it is in the parent. Okay. Then run the script. And then you'll see that it gets the parent's value. Then it alters it. It sees the new value. And then the script ends. All right. Let's see. And now echo TTVAR again in your, in your initial shell, and you'll see that its value has not been messed with by the script. Okay, I, I did the last thing, right, was checking to see that the, the one in the shell has not changed, but how do I... Oh, but I do a dollar... Yeah, so dollar... TTVAR. Oh, I'm lost. Okay, how do I verify the one that I did in the script? Okay, so this when you edited the script, you should have it should it should have ended up being a little four lines on the shebang line. Yeah, copy yeah. paste, and, from and the, that worked. Okay, and it, it okay, returned so when that the new ran, value. Okay, so now just type echo dollar tt underscore var on your terminal again, and you'll see that the terminal hasn't seen the new value. It's still telling you what it was before. Okay, but I'm not. I'm not looking. At, what I was looking for was whether you had told us some way to see what the uh, the shell thought it was. Now, we well, can't. it's just the echo command again. Uh, eh. Right. So we're on our shell. We echo it out to see what it is before we run our script. And we it run still our script, is afterwards. Which, and then we do it again, and we see that it hasn't changed in our terminal, even though we saw it change in the script. Okay, but where, where did it change the script, in the script then? Well, you see that the, 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 the third real line of the script no, no, says... No, underscore... I know that in the script we told it to change the variable. And I know that in our right. shell it didn't change the variable. So where did it change the variable? Well, the, the last line of the script was echo now colon, and then it should have printed out the new value. Yeah, it did. So, But if I okay, want to so do that from the, the shell... Change. But when I do that from the shell, can I, can I ask that? Can I say... Well, no, because... No, because well, it's no, not right, the that, shell. That, that... Yeah, the, that child process was given a copy of your environment, it ran, it finished, and then that child environment was destroyed forever. Doesn't exist oh, anymore. okay, okay, that's what I was looking for, gotcha, okay. So it came into being as a copy of you, messed with itself, printed out its new value, and then died. Okay, gotcha. So that proves that when I send that you inherit a clone of your parents, but it's an independent clone, it's not linked back, I have now proved that to you by doing it. Absolutely. Okay, so the very last thing I want to say to you is that sometimes, okay, in fact, not sometimes, quite often, as we're going to see next week, you actually do want to be able to write a script that genuinely does alter your environment because it actually might be useful for to be able to write a script to set up your environment so that you don't have to redo it manually every time. Right. So is there a way to force it not to do that? And the answer is yes. There's a command called source, so you say source space, the name of the script, and it will then run the script on your environment instead of its environment. Oh. And so we can do that. So we'll start again by just echoing tt underscore var just to prove to ourselves that it still says hello world. Okay. So it hasn't been mucked with. If we run the script, again, we'll see that it, oh, sorry, scrolls too far down. Okay, so we echo it to prove to ourselves that it still says hello world. We then say source space, the path to script two. Yes. And now when we echo after we've run that script, the new value 
is in our environment. Yes, it says boogers now. Because that's what I set my variable to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mine doesn't say that. If you follow the show notes, it's a little politer. (laughs) (laughs) There's actually a reason to say boogers and stuff. Is I've been able to use it to prove whether some search can actually find my stuff or not. (laughs) Ah, very good. (laughs) You make up your own word, and then it's not all over the internet. Exactly. Well, at work, we I was able to search in like the database of everything inside the company. If I search for boogers, I could find my own stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very good. <laughs> not everybody well, can use boogers in a work environment but uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah well depending on your work environment you may get away with something stronger than boogers um as long as it's never visible to the world but anyway um that's where we're going to leave things for today so we have we have we have proved how inheritance works and we have we've learned everything we need to know about setting and accessing variables so we've now laid a foundation to really get stuck into this environment idea. So next week, we're going to start by looking at how Bash assembles itself. Because when you when you hit Command-N or when you double-click that terminal app, a whole bunch of stuff happens to sort of build a whole environment for you and hand it to you, ready for you to go off and do cool things. And the process is actually good to know because it lets us create our own defaults for things. Cool. And it lets us create our own customizations for things. And if we do it that way, if we do it using the proper mechanisms, those customizations happen automatically every time we create a new Finder window instead of us having to manually recreate those customizations every time. So that's where it becomes cool when we start to to make permanent changes to our environment. But think before you type when you're making permanent changes to your environment because if you bugger it up, yeah, bugger it up. Okay. <laughs> all right, Mark. Well, hey, that was fun. I feel all empowered having written my first uh, shell script. Excellent. Well, till next time, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net. <laughs>